Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. you. Hey, um, we, we just don't want to go through a weekend or go through a holiday uh, not recognizing our freedoms in this nation. The great nation that, that has made us so great is, is a lot to do with those who've served, those who've sacrificed, those who've sacrificed time, including parents and spouses. So thank you so much. Um, this, this holiday is, is special. We're, it's a holiday that is um, simply a day set aside to honor those who've given the ultimate sacrifice to serve for our freedoms. It, it, it initiated in uh, just post, um, just at the end of the Civil War, and it was called Decoration Day. And uh, we began to celebrate it then. And then uh, by the end of the Civil War, it became kind of a nationally recognized, uh, more family tradition and historical uh, day to honor those who died. Up to 625,000 died in the Civil War. In 1971, it became an official holiday, now known as Memorial Day, and now recognizing over 1.1 million men and women that have given their lives for us, for our freedoms, for this nation. So one thing I'd love to do, can we just pray for the families, maybe the children, grandchildren, maybe at this point even great or even great, 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 great grandchildren of men and women that have lost their lives serving us, serving our country, serving our freedoms, and uh, also those who are still serving and those who are still risking their lives for us. And, uh, and we know a gentleman that even is now paralyzed uh, because of the sacrifice he gave in Afghanistan. So can we just pray for those um, veterans, those in the military, as well as those who, the families that are still associated with those who lost their lives. Can we just lift them up in prayer? God, we thank you for this great nation. We thank you that we set aside a day to honor people, honor brave men and women that have sacrificed everything so that we may have freedom here. We thank you for this great nation. We thank you for the freedoms and the liberties and the justices that we have now. So God, we just lift up those who are still serving. God, we thank you for those who have served. And God, we thank you those who have given it all. So we just pray peace and comfort for those families that are still left here of loved ones who passed away, sacrificing themselves for us. So God, we thank you. Let us honor them well tomorrow. Let us go through a day just really paying honor and respect to those who have given a price. So God, we thank you. Thank you for putting that in us to being willing to sacrifice ourselves for others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, I, I really want to tie this in because... Uh, last week I alluded to, I was going to talk today about um, just a season I've been in and a season of coming out and into freedom. I'm still in process. We'll go through that. Um, but I really want to open up, be, be kind of vulnerable today and talk about some things. We talk about uh, physical healing all the time. We talk about uh, spiritual healing a lot. We talk about hurts and abandonments and different things. But one of the things that the church in general, Christianity, lacks to talk about is emotional health. Emotional healing, mental healing, mental health. And uh, I'd love to just kind of approach that from my story over the last several months and just be kind of vulnerable with you. Um, but there's some things that are worth fighting for. There's some things that are worth a sacrifice. We have a saying in, in our fire service, risk a lot to save a lot. Okay, we, we often, and uh, Eli knows this, it's, you'll hear it may, mostly even on a weekly basis, but when we're going into a fire, 
and, and we see this house, this structure, or this, this, this commercial property, whatever, in flames, we use this saying, and it's inherently in us and our decision makers, whether or not we enter this structure full of flames based on what is inside. Okay, so the saying goes, risk a lot to save a lot, risk little to save little. We will send crews in there if there's life in there. If we, we will risk little, though, just to save a structure, we will risk a lot to save a life. Okay, so that's kind of our saying. It's the same principle in the military that we will, there's, we will risk a lot in order to get freedom, to keep, to protect, to preserve freedom and justice. Okay, so it's like that in our life that it, it, there's some things that are worth a sacrifice. There's some things that are worth taking a risk. There's some things that are worth laying down our lives. If we find something that we're willing to die to, then we'll find something we're willing to live for. If we find something we're willing to live for, we'll find something that we're willing to die to. Mark, Martin Luther King Jr. puts it like this. If a man hasn't discovered something that he will die for, then he's not fit to live. I love this movie called We Were Soldiers. Anybody seen the movie? Mel Gibson, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore, you know, playing, playing him. They're going off the Vietnam War. And there's a speech near the beginning of the movie, and there's a scene. It's very moving, very powerful. Mel Gibson with his deep, sexy voice, much deeper and sexier than I will try to do in this quote. But he's delivering this speech to those who are getting ready to go off to battle in Vietnam. And his families and those spouses are, are there and part of this. And here's what here he says. Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore says, I can't promise that, you will all, that I will bring you all home alive, but this I swear before you and Almighty God, that when we go into battle, I will be the first to set foot on the field, and I will be the last to step off. And I will leave no one behind, dead or alive. We will all come home together, so help me God. Anybody seen that movie remember that speech? I, I remember being moved by that, being so powerful as a leader, as a, as a man, saying, I will be first to step on the field. I'll be the last to leave, and we're leaving no man behind. He's saying... Listen, some of you may die. We're not going to come home with all of us. But these men, and so many, so many men and women part of our history, were willing to give it all so that we can sit here today in freedom and liberties. We have many of you here who are heroes. And he says this. He says, but it's worth it. We're going to pay a price. Not everybody's going to come home, but I will bring you home dead or alive. But you may not come home alive. There's a Bible verse, John 15, 13, it says, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for, than one's, for one's friend. Listen, there, there's something that's, that's inherently in us in human nature that we are worth taking risk for something worth paying a price for. When we find something that we're willing to, to, to die for, then all of a sudden we get life. And, and so today's message is actually titled, I know it's uplifting and encouraging, Some Suffering, wait, what's the title? I forgot. Suffering isn't always bad. I was like, this is round two. I want to make sure I, I do it even better than last time. Suffering isn't always bad. So suffering sometimes leads us to a place where, where, we, can, where we can actually die to ourselves, where we can actually be stripped away. And sometimes suffering is this place of, of getting us to this raw, real, um, authentic place of vulnerability, of transparency, of, of needing something beyond ourselves. Sometimes when we get to this suffering, and, and, and I remember Nick and, and Richard Diaz came up here on Veterans Day. We love to honor veterans and honor those who are serving our military, our government, our, our, our communities, ministry, Jesus, of course. 
You know, we love to celebrate. That's what family does. We honor well, we celebrate well. And on Veterans Day, we honor our veterans really well. And, and I remember Richard and, and Nick Lambert were up here, and, and Matt was doing a Q&A with them on Veterans Day, and they, that was kind of the message that day. And I remember Nick saying this one thing, and maybe you remember with me. He says, I was in Iraq, and now Nick, he, he was, he's Air Force. He was a civil engineer. He was being brought over there to build some bridges and build some buildings. The moment he gets off and lands into Iraq, he does immediate combat training and starts doing convoys and safety convoys. Supposed to be building bridges. He's like, man, you talk about a shocker. I didn't know I was coming just to be a, a warrior. So he comes to this place, and they're in battle, and, and they're in this pretty dicey situation. And he says this. If you remember his story, he says, I made a deal with God that day that if he brought me, that if he brought me home safe, sorry, and alive, that I'd serve him the rest of my life. I remember the next thing he said after that was so powerful. Nick's not only my cousin, but he's one of my best friends. And, and I remember him saying, I, the Lord kept his end of the deal. God kept his deal. He got me home safe, got me home to Tiana and my, my, my child that was born while I was gone. So I've kept my end of the deal, and I plan to keep it until I die. Sometimes when we get into these situations where, where things are in crisis or things are at our bottom, and listen, we know about like jail, jailhouse religion, we know about these, these situations where we're in crisis, and then we, it's so easy to get on our knees. Listen, I'm not opposed to that, because sometimes life or situations or circumstances, not always God, will get us in this place of humility, this place of vulnerability, this place of need, to where all of a sudden I have no choice but to rely on the almighty Jesus Christ to take care of my needs and actually come into my heart. Nick, his rock bottom was his, was his life at war. Some of rock bottoms might include drugs or homelessness or jail. Listen, I'm not opposed to that. Whatever it takes for the Lord to get us to a place to recognize, to he need, to hear him more, he'll get us to this place. Now, I love last week we talked about this tornado whipping through across the street and a family that came. They were back again today. It's amazing. It's a beautiful story. I don't believe God caused that tornado. I don't believe God causes these things. He's a good God, and everything good comes from above. But Genesis 50:20 it says this. Genesis 50:20 it reads like this. It says that as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. One version says what the enemy meant for destruction, God will use for good. I don't know why these things happen. I don't know why suffering happens. I don't know why these circumstances happen. I don't know why these trials always happen. But I know this. I know that my theology can't always blame God because he's good. These things happening don't determine the goodness, the integrity of who Jesus really is. So we get to this place to where not all suffering is bad or, or suffering isn't always bad because now suddenly God uses it for good. James 1, 2, it says this. It says, count it all joy, the trials that you go through. And it says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And then it says this. And let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. And then it says this. Lacking in nothing. Isn't that pretty amazing? Snap. I got to go through trials. I, you know, it's funny that I, I, I camped out in this realm. I, I, was, I was in this camp for a while that, that nothing bad can happen to me because I'm a believer and I'm a son of God and my inheritance is heaven. 
Last week I talked about what does heaven look like and what does heaven look like to live as a lifestyle here on earth as opposed to just a destination. And now we're talking about suffering. <laughs> Can you Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live fans in here? Debbie Downer. But here's the deal. What's being mentioned here in James is, is now that we go through these trials, it doesn't mean that we have to. It doesn't mean that God puts us through these. Like, that's, that's not the realm in which I hang out in. Like, I know that just things happen. My mom died of cancer when I've seen tumors dissolve and dead people raised. Like, I've seen these crazy, radical things. And then all of a sudden, this happens. You know, I have friends that, that will see radical healings. Chris Gore sees, sees people delivered of, of, of disabilities. He sees, he sees Down syndrome disappear, but yet has a child that, that has, is a handicapped. That, I think it's Down syndrome, correct? So anyway, now how's that happen? How's, how's Eric Johnson see healing after healing after healing after healing of deaf ears, but yet he's mostly deaf in his ears? I don't know. But listen, here's the trials when we go through them. It's, it's amazing that it says it's building perseverance or steadfastness. And in that builds our character. In that, we grow deeper in the Lord. And in that, we come out stronger than we ever were before going into it. It doesn't mean God's punishing us. It doesn't mean that God's testing us. Or it doesn't mean that God's setting us up for failure. No, he's actually setting us up for success. And some of the things that are allowed to happen to us take us to this deep place. Romans 8, 28, Paul says it like this. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Let me get into the main text here, Philippians 3, 8 through 11. Listen, I'm going to be vulnerable here in a little bit. But I want you to know as you move through this message today, this is a message of hope. And I really felt the sense today of freedom. All the way from freedom in our nation, what we're celebrating this weekend, that people sacrificed, people went through trials, people went through some really bad situations so that we can walk and live out in freedom. It's the same thing in our life. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Jesus went to a cross. Jesus suffered all the way to the end so that we could walk in freedom. So that we could die with him to walk in freedom. It's today, I feel that's what today's promise is. I believe it's the yes and amen for today. That this is a day of hope. This is a day of freedom for all of us. And this is a day that we're going to come out of whatever we've been through, whatever we're going through, stronger than we ever did going into it. So Philippians, the letter reads like this. It's verse 8. See, God is not just looking for laborers. God's not looking for fancy people. God's not looking for people that got their stuff all together and look perfect. He's looking for laid-down lovers. He's looking for people to just pour the oil out on his feet and just give it all. He's looking for people that just lay down their agenda and just worship him. He's looking for people that are vulnerable enough to share with courage and that, that things just aren't always good. He's looking for people to actually be real so that he can come in and work and make something from your story for his glory. Like he's looking not for heroes. He's looking for zeros that'll make him into heroes. He's looking for nobodies to make him into somebodies. That's who my savior is. That's, that's who the king of kings is. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people who want to be in a process of growing closer with him and abiding in him so that we come out stronger than ever before, more dependent on him. Philippians 3 says this, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Yeah, yeah really uplifting today, I promise. 
It's freedom. He's saying, whatever you go through, now, now this is the same guy in one text, in one letter saying, listen, I've been shipwrecked, I was beat, I was in prison. Like, like, you're having a bad day, read some of Paul's stuff. You're having a bad day and you think you got it worse than anybody else, read Paul's section where he's talking about, I went through hell, I was beat multiple times, I was in prison, I was forsaken, I was forgotten, I was shipwrecked. He's reading through this whole list. One time I was whining, and, and my mentor, Lave, he's like, hey, I, I believe it's, um, is it Romans 11 or 12? Somewhere in there. I, I could be wrong. I don't want to quote, mistakenly quote here. But anyway, he's like, read this, and I get to it, and it's like, Paul saying, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I was like, oh, man, I feel like such a wimp right now. <laughs> but here he is. He's saying, I went through all of that so that I may grow closer to Christ, so that I may grow deeper, so that I may be dependent. So if this all happens to lead me to Christ and be able to strengthen you or to be able to strengthen others or be able to relate to other stories, then I'll do that. And it doesn't mean anything anyway. Like the things that we invest our time in, the things we, we try to work towards, this newer house or this, this car or whatever it might be, all of a sudden we realize, listen, it, it doesn't matter anyway. And I count it rubbish. I count it worthless because I get to gain Christ no matter what. So listen, these trials that we go through, they're temporary, but they build some things that we get to praise God through circumstances and trials. We get to worship and hardship. That's one thing we don't get to do in heaven. So here on earth, while trials come, I count it joy because joy is my choice. I count it joy to get to go through this. Why? Because it is building something in me better than it ever was before. So we move on to verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, here's the focus for today. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Everybody say, yippee! We often, and for years, as an early believer and as coming into this sonship, and honestly, just to be really honest, some hyper grace stuff, I would focus only on the resurrection, but not the next part I'm about to read. We all want the blessing. We all want to, to play, but are we willing to pay? Like, like, we all want the power of the resurrection, and that's what we get to walk in. We get to walk in last week's message, heaven, because of what Jesus did for us. What he does in us, what he does through us, like that's reality, and I just get to receive that. So the suffering isn't this thing where I get punished and I have to earn my way. Dallas Willard says that God is not opposed uh, to, to, to effort, but he is opposed to earning. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn this grace. You don't have to earn this, this favor. You get to receive it. But when suffering or hardships or trials come, all of a sudden I get to count that joy because it's building something in me because now I get to journey it with Christ. It's this, it's this thing to say, well, I don't have to be punished. I don't have to earn it to get here. I don't believe in the greater devils for greater levels. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe we need to go there. Like, like stuff just sometimes happens. I don't know why sometimes. I can't explain cancer. I can't explain some of this. I can't explain why, why, why bad things happen to good people. That's a great common question of a non-believer. But what I can explain is that God is always good, that God is always life, that God is always hope, that God is always love. Like, I can explain that. So no matter what we go through, I can explain these other things. It goes on to say this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and, and, everybody say and, and. share his sufferings 
becoming like him in his death. Oh, dang it. The resurrection is the fun part. But if you remember Easter on Palm Sunday, I didn't want to rush through just to get to the resurrection and skip out on the price that Jesus really paid for my freedom. We can't skip through the crucifixion just to get to the resurrection. Like, it costs something. (laughs) Our freedom in this nation costs something. It costs something. My freedom and salvation, my freedom from sin costs something. His name's Jesus. There was suffering with that. And then it says this, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Listen, it is worth it. It is worth it. The stuff we go through, if we just don't give up, if we just wake up. Listen, <laughs> I went to a graduation ceremony last night, and the big theme was like, you know, we might make mistakes. It might be tough. But just keep getting up. I asked Papa Jack Taylor, Bill Johnson, spiritual father, my, my uh, mentor, spiritual father, I asked him once, I said, hey, what, what do you feel the success to the kingdom is? He simply said this, to get up as many times as you get knocked down, because Aaron, you're going to get knocked down. Just get up. Some, the last few months, I felt like I've been in this rocky fight. I, I saw that last night. I was flipping through the, the, the television a little bit. I was like, I love cops. I love watching cops. And I love, like, those Northwoods Law shows. Like, for me, it's just like, I can just check out. It's kind of fun to watch. And I'm, like, seeing if any are on there weren't, so I turn it off. But I saw Rocky Four was on, then following that was Rocky Five. Here's the deal. And here's where I'm getting to. We just need to keep getting up. We just need to keep waking up in the morning knowing that God's so good and he's got a great plan for us. So, Rocky, it, it's, it's cool in Christianity. It's cool knowing when Christ is in me, I win. There might be hardship, there could be some suffering along the way, but guess what? I know I win. So like Rocky, at times, the last few months, I've been, I've been feeling like I was beat up, like, like black eyes, just like, but you know, like Rocky, he, he, he gets up and he's like staggering and you know, they're almost to 10 and he stands up every time and he goes back at it, right? That's kind of how I felt, like I just kept getting knocked down. So in my world, my rock bottom was literally the last nine months. And it wasn't just, we've let you in on parts of this story and and, um, just let you in on certain aspects of it, some involving our house and our our, our different transitions in life. But there's been so much more that I've opened up and, you know, some of it's still personal, some of it's still processing with Nicole and and Josh and and some other folks. But, But here's the deal. My rock bottom happened and, and everything was stripped away. The things that I found significance in, the things that I found value in were no longer there. You know, and, and it's just in my world and, and it's enough to say like it was, it's been bad and it's been hard and waking up in the mornings has been a little more difficult. Falling asleep at night has been a little more difficult. Been depressed. I, I come out of this now looking back realizing I was going through some depression and not wanting to be around people and not wanting to share, not wanting to open up, not wanting to spend time with the Lord and, and even having this depression to the point where having some suicidal visions, thoughts. And some of it like as a, as a, as a firefighter for 18 years, you're like, okay, what was a vision from a memory and what is a thought for reality? And I'm trying to distinguish the difference, but I just don't want to take a chance. So I'm getting help The thing in this world is we don't want to overlook professional help. We don't want to overlook the natural, but there is a spiritual answer called hope, and his name's Jesus. But I've learned these things through the process of the stripping away from me. I've learned the value of nutrition and and health and sleep and those things that we tend as a prophetic culture want to just overlook. 
There's, there's nothing wrong with using a counselor and getting the help that we need. Why? We don't, have, we don't think for a second to go to a doctor. We don't think for a second to go to a doctor to get help if, 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 I, if I broke something or hurt something or have a soreness or, or whatever. I'm a paramedic. We take people. We take over 4,000 people a year to the hospital in Troy, Ohio, and we don't think for a second about it. But one person says they're being depressed or have some mental problems or have some emotional unhealth, then all of a sudden, we, it's a stigma and it's this thing. Me, wanting to share this. I'm supposed to have my crap together, right? I have it. And it's okay. Because when the trials come, I've counted it joy, and what's happened is this beautiful thing. And let me just tell you, I wouldn't change it for a second. I wouldn't go back and change any decision we made or do anything different than the way we've done it because something has happened to me in the process the last five to nine months, and it's come, come to this freedom over the last month or so or eight weeks. Eight weeks, I started to come out and realize, and sometimes you don't realize what's happening until you start to come out of it and you come up for breath, and you're like, oh, man, I was so unhealthy. And then we begin to change. So Scott began to come in and speak life. Scott Thompson and prophesy over me and recognize some things and dig deep in my heart as a friend. You know, and then some other circumstances happened that, that led to some freedom. One of the other things was key for me was uh, we spoke at Bethel Cleveland a couple Fridays ago. And this was a huge deal for me. It was an it was, it was interesting story. And I just want to let you in on my life and kind of some of the things that, that I face. i got to be brief, be good, and be gone here. And he's Zig Ziglar attenders out there. So at any rate, we're speaking there, and this is a place where I first saw Danny Silk, first, first knew of Bill Johnson and these folks, and I go wait in line, Graham Cooks, you know, like, like the heroes to me, the people that I really value and look up to. And over the uh, six or eight years ago, I would go wait in line. I'd sit in a basement in Overflow and watch people from the screen and be like, I receive, <laughs> you know. And then six or eight years later, now I'm being invited to be a main speaker, and it was so huge to me, and it was so honoring, and they valued me so much, and they, they honored us so much. It was so fun. And I, I told the pastors and Joel at dinner, I was like, listen, this, this is a memory stone for me. This is huge for me. This is so pivotal because coming out what I was coming from and now here going through the struggles and coming out with this ripped away, stripped away foundation, now I've preached this message that evening on the Father's guess, Father's heart, identity, spirit of adoption. Yep, you guessed it. <laughs> Poured it out and I received everything I spoke. And when I imparted and we were praying for people, radical things were happening. And I was receiving as like it was the first time. So I began to process on the way home with Nicole. And I just, I made this one comment to her. I said, man, sorry. I'm not walking off stage. Just, just trying to track down a Kleenex. I usually come prepared. I know better than this. I usually keep these in my pocket. But I said, I really needed this. And she said, Aaron. You know, and as, as Michael Miller from Upper Room Dallas is speaking a message on podcasts that we're listening to as we're driving home, and he's speaking on a process of dying to self, and, and he's putting language around what I've been experiencing the last five to nine months, and she's like, Aaron, you, you had lost your confidence, hadn't you? You had built up insecurities, didn't you? I was like, that's it. She's like, you, you needed this to gain your confidence back, didn't you? I was like, that's it. So I, I was being invited to speak at all these places, right, over the last couple of years. 
and all over the world, really. It's kind of fun. There was a waiting list. At one point, you had to wait like six months or a year to get me to speak because I only go out once a month because this is home. This is what I love. I love you guys. I love hanging out here. We got the best church out there, I promise you. I've seen a lot. This is so good. So anyway, let me, let me wrap this part up. So I'm, I'm learning this. I'm seeing this. And Nicole's like, you, well, that was my only invite and secure date for the entire year. The only one. I don't speak again until February in Norway. <laughs> I'm like, so I go a whole year with one speaking engagement. Now, I'm loving the time with my family. I'm loving the time here. I'm loving the time uh, to just kind of like get some stuff done. But, but for me, what I realized was that birth and insecurity, and I realized now that I'm in that and coming out, I realized that my value and significance was where and how many times I was getting invited to speak. Again, every level, that's just one little glimpse, but every level, everything in my life was being stripped down to, to my bottom. Everybody's bottom's different. Nick's bottom was in Iraq. Somebody else's bottom might be jail or whatever it might be. But my bottom was all of these things happening, some private and some I'm making public now. But these things were happening. Let me tell you the outcome, though. I wouldn't change it for a second. I had learned that I was worshiping me. I had learned that I was arrogant. I had learned that, that I, was, I was in this process of, of just riding on my gift and being dependent on me, not God. I learned that, that really my faith hadn't really grown. Like, I had, I've seen, I'm, I'm now up to uh, over 2,000 creative miracles that I've witnessed. Like, and I'm talking radical ones. I've seen nine people raised from the dead through prayer. Nothing else, just prayer. I, you know, there's these crazy things. We were in Dominican Republic praying for a guy once. He was hunched over, had polio as a child, had developed scoliosis. He was hunched over all the way. Nicole and I laid hands on his back, and all of a sudden, like Rice Krispie treats, these loud pops and cracks that we heard and felt. Pop, 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 straight up. We've seen some radical things. We've seen amazing things. But let me just tell you, these last nine months of stripping away me has led to a greater growth in faith than any of those miracles I'd ever seen. It has led to a greater trust in the Lord and dependency on him. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. The suffering, the, the, the issues that we've faced, the, the uh, hardships, let me just tell you, it has been worth it, and it's been worth every second of it. Why? Because my perseverance, my steadfastness, my character, my trust, my faith, all these things have been built better than they ever were before. That's a redeeming God. Let me just tell you, redemption means that he'll make things greater than they ever were before. He won't just restore and bring things back to where they were. He'll redeem it to make it better than it ever was before. So I'm coming out of this thing so humble, so dependent on God, dependent on others to help, help in the process. I'm so uh, growing in faith, growing in stature, growing in hunger that I need God. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to. And if we can humble ourselves and let some of these things raise these alarm clocks in us and actually reach out and actually be like, okay, I can actually talk to some people about this and I'm not afraid for what's going to happen in the outcome. And all of a sudden, what, what, what's, what's being out and there's no secrets, it's like, wow, there's freedom in that. Like I, I don't have to walk around depressed or, or like getting agitated with people. This kind of started and my journey started when Nicole said, and she said to me, she's like, Aaron, I've noticed... She said, I've noticed you've been short with the kids lately. 
I've noticed your, your temper's getting back to the way it was before Christ. She had this really difficult conversation with me. And let me just tell you, I didn't argue. I didn't throw up a wall. Well, you don't know me. <laughs> I didn't do that crap. Because you'll learn this. First off, your wife, as time goes on, really starts to sound like Holy Spirit. The people closest to us, whatever that is to you, tend to sound like Holy Spirit because they know you sometimes better than you know yourself. So I began to walk this journey out and getting some help and, and getting, uh, going to a really beefed up sozo and some other stuff to deal with some things that, that, I, that I can't shake as a firefighter, can't shake as a dad or a pastor. I'm ready to put the belt on. <laughs> Devil, not today. I hit <laughs> Temporarily, I will. We'll see what happens here. Yeah. Oh. Okay, let me move on here. Uh, in order to need, have a resurrection, something has to die. I want to read to you something that got me through the last couple of months. Galatians 2.20 in the Passion Translation. Passion Translation is this beautiful translation that Brian Simmons uh, used. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. So turn to Galatians 2.20 in your phones. There we go. I love to bounce around, bebop around, and use my hands. So I can't be locked down by handcuffs called a microphone. In order for there to be need a resurrection, in order for there to be a resurrection, there needs to be a death. And the cool thing about coming into Christ is we get to die to ourselves, and it gets to be a process to where I get to be hungry and humble and wanting more of Jesus and less of me. And it's this process to where when we get to die to self, we get to take on the new name, Jesus. We get to take on the name of Christ and be a new creation, a new, a new person. So Galatians 2.20 words it like this. It's beautiful in the Passion Translation. It says this, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Wow. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into me. Wow. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but he that lives in me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Isn't that good news? So we get back to Philippians 3. In verses 12 and 13 says this. It says that not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Okay? God's not looking for perfection. Again, he's looking for people who want to be in process. He's looking for people that just want to say yes, that just want to be laid down lovers, that just want to worship. Like, he doesn't need us to be perfect to come to him. He just needs us to say yes. And then all of a sudden he gives the amen because his promises are yes and amen and they're always fulfilled says this, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Listen, let, let me just tell you, in this message, God loves you so much. He is such hope. He is such freedom. He is such love and power in your life and your trials and your circumstances. And let me just tell you, he is way less concerned about your history than he is your destiny. He has a destiny for you. And guess what? The only thing your history does is actually qualify you for the, de the destiny that he has. Sometimes people, I've, I was arrested a couple times as a juvenile, and sometimes like I'll meet people that I only knew in high school, and they're like, oh, you pastor? We literally had a girl coming to church once that went to high school with me. She came in one time. She's like, you're the pastor. I'm not coming back. I was a bad dude, and uh, I loved to fight. This guy loved to fight. Now get up here and just cry like a baby. <laughs> just a lover. Because that's what God does when he transforms your heart. He makes you anew. And th this is the thing about me is like me to go through this is crazy for people to hear because I'm like the most positive guy you'll ever meet. I'm like the most uplifting, faith-filled person that, that some people know. It's like, dude, but, but things happen. Stuff happens, and we don't have to be perfect, and we don't have to always have our junk together. But all of a sudden, when we go through a trial, when we go through something, God's grace is sufficient for it. So we go into this place to where Paul's saying it's really a statement of humility, and it's a statement that, that says this to me. It's a statement where I'm at. I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. I'm not yet where I'm called to be, but I'm not where I used to be. It's, it's this thing to where I've come so far. But he has such greater plans for me. And that's for each of us. And I want to keep that perspective the rest of my life until either he returns or I get my forever upgrade. I want to be in this place to where I've not yet arrived. I'm hungry for the more. Because there's so much more of him that, that we can discover, that we can adventure with. All right, band, you can come. Let me, let me wrap this up. There's two verses I want to, I want to conclude with. Revelation 21.7 says this. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Man, just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. Just, just keep pressing on. Just keep, keep, keep moving forward. And listen, moving forward, I believe that God can heal in an instant. I do. Like, I believe God can just radically heal in an instant, and he's the greatest physician. He is the mighty counselor. He is the prince of peace. Like, I believe that. But then there's things along the way that I've learned about myself through this journey that are so valuable to me now. I've realized that I can't go a month straight on three hours sleep a night. That didn't work out too well for me. I've learned that I need about seven hours sleep. That's, that's kind of my, 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 my good spot there is, is that seven hours. All right? I've learned that I need some healthy nutrition. I learned that working out actually helps me feel better. I've, I've learned that... that uh, Suddenly, I bought 11 acres. It came with 16 chickens and this mini farm. And it has a barn. Like, so I learned that. Like, I discovered country music. I'm like, I'm a farmer now. I've got, I've got 16 chickens and 11 untillable acres. I'm a farmer now. I need to start listening to country music. So, so I, would, I used to hate country music. So I'd be like... Man, like, I got this stereo in my barn. I'd be working in the wood shop and listening to country music, feeling like a man. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden I found myself driving down the road in my, in my uh, fire department vehicle. I'm like, listening to country music. And Nicole, again, sounding a little more like Holy Spirit the longer we, we, we journey life together. 
She's like, Aaron, you keep listening to this country music and it's just trash. She's like, it's just about sorrows and girlfriends and trucks that break down. <laughs> I'm like, but I like it. She's like, well, you need to feed your soul. You need to, you need to actually, whatever comes in is going to come out. So we've been on this journey now for just a short while, and, and we fall asleep with soaking worship music running through the night or scriptures playing. Now that I'm in my car, I'm listening to K-Love. And, but it's a new K-Love, again. It's, it's all new. Air One, I'm sorry. Air One. It's an all new Air One. Again. But anyway, I, I found myself that what, I, what I've been putting in was actually kind of toxic for me and taking care of myself. But here's the thing, too. I lost the intimate time with the Lord. Busyness and the house project and these things, these distractions, actually pulled me away from that morning time, that coffee time with Jesus, or that night time as I turned my heart to him. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't just a few months later, now I'm struggling with depression and having these toxic thoughts and toxic beliefs. And let me finish this. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Like, I, I, I know this in Genesis, it says he created everything. By the sixth day, he had created everything. Then it said that he rested and he was pleased with his finished work. And then he rested. So God's been in rest since the time he was pleased with his finished work. Everything in seed form, we were created before we were other, ever in our mother's womb by name, called by Jesus created in his image. Again, he says it again when he's on the cross and he's pinned up there waiting to give us this giant hug being crucified. And he says this, it is finished. Like we are his finished work. We are his craftsmanship. We are his worksmanship. We are his more than conquerors. We are worthy. Linda gave me this prophetic word this morning. It was profound. So good. Such what I needed to hear in my heart today. Let me just tell you this. Bill Johnson says you can't overdose on affirmation. It's a good word. If you're thinking of somebody, shoot them an affirming prophetic word, a text, an encouraging word, something. But here's the deal. It says that he began a good work in you, and he will bring it to completion. Here's what I'm to encourage you with today. That Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he has plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans for a hope, plans for a future for you. He's got good, amazing, and awesome plans for each of us in here. And he's not done yet. Listen, he is still writing our stories. He is still writing the film script. He is still writing our movie. He's still writing. And guess what? You're the feature in this book with him, you and him together. And guess what? There might be chapters at end, but the next chapter is just the beginning. And all of a sudden, there's these plots and these turns and, and maybe things that we don't expect. Boom. Those are attention grabbers in a movie when something comes out of nowhere. Then all of a sudden, the story comes back. It's this beautiful, eloquent story. And it's your story going to be used for his